The following Taisho by Shinge Roshi, Roko Sheri Shayat, was recorded at the Zen Center of Syracuse Hoenji in Syracuse, New York. These recordings are offered for free. We welcome your financial support. To contribute and for further information, please visit www.zencenterofsyracuse.org. Thank you. Hekigon Roku, the Blue Cliff Record, Case 44. Kassan's Beating the Drum, Main Subject. Kassan said, engaging in study is called hearing. Completing study is called nearness. Going beyond these two is called true passing. A monk asked, what is true passing? Kassan replied, beating the drum. The monk asked, what is the true teaching of the Buddha? Kassan said, beating the drum. The monk then asked, I won't ask you about this very mind is Buddha, but what about not mind, not Buddha? Kassan said, beating the drum. The monk continued his questioning. When enlightened persons come, how do you deal with them? Kassan said, beating the drum. Secho's verse. Hauling rocks, carrying earth. To shoot the bolt, you need a 10-ton crossbow. Seppo once rolled three wooden balls. How can these compare to Kassan's beat the drum? I will tell you. Don't stand there in a daze. What's sweet is sweet. What's bitter is bitter. standing outside <clears throat> listening to Togon beating the drum. Well, two people smiled anyway. <laughs> and looking around, noticing how things have grown in the 17 years since we found this place.
There used to be just a few little sprigs of pussy willows in front of the carriage house. Now it's this mighty tree. We planted that quince tree. Now it's reaching up toward the tulip tree above it. After the birch tree fell over on the front lawn, we put another tulip tree there, just a baby. Now it too is soaring into the sky. Walnut tree came down. At least 50 trees were planted. Everything is so lush, so beautifully rich at this season. When useless things do not clutter the mind, every season is a good season, as it says in the verse. Not today's verse, a much more comprehensible verse. Of course, preferences get in our way. As we read yesterday, the great way is not difficult. Just avoid picking and choosing. No problem. Don't have preferences in the mind. Okay, right? To say okay and really just be okay with that okay. That's it. That's Rinzai's Buji. Okay. Preferences arise. I don't like the lawnmower as much as the cicadas. Okay. Wait a minute. This is very helpful advice. You don't like something in your life? Wait a minute. Preferential mind is just mind that's stuck in the past. You think it's now, it's already then. So just wait a minute. This is particularly helpful <clears throat> when we have a firm conviction that our pain and our misery are going to be forever. Wait a minute. See? All cleared up. Just like that. Or you fall asleep. Wait a minute. You wake up. What's the big deal? Somebody catches you sleeping and says, wake up. Okay. Wait a minute. There's always something. As Rosanna Dada said, those of you who are old enough to remember Saturday Night Live before she died. She died. Wait a minute. Of course we prefer life. 
Nobody wants to let go of this precious form. Before Jisho started her chemo, she was taking photograph after photograph after photograph. Look, look, look. So precious, everything, everything. Knowing herself. Wait a minute. Hmm? Gone. This. Gone. Allows us to feel how perfect, how perfect this is. As it is, exactly as it is, could not be otherwise. So, however you're feeling right now, you may prefer something else. A nice chaise long, some Heineken's, a spliff. Wait a minute. Just wait a minute. This wait a minute means taste it. Just this, just now. Because it's on its way out. Kasan Moon lived in China at the end of the Tang Dynasty. 891 to 960. <clears throat> he entered Seppo Monastery. Some of you are good friends with Seppo. At the age of seven, I have a wonderful student who's 13. I'm thinking, what's taking you so long? He was seven, Seppo was 76. So they didn't have too long together. After Seppo's death, at the age of 20, Kasan went to Yuho Douken, who was a Dharma heir of Sekiso Keisho. And later, he moved to Mount Kasan. That's how he got his name. And became the head monk at a temple there, Daichi in Great Wisdom Temple. It was a very turbulent time at the end of the Tang Dynasty. And he died there at Mount Kasan at the age of 71. There's a story about Kyuho, with whom, as I said, he spent quite a few years, and Sekiso's head monk, remember I said, Kyuho was the Dharma heir of Sekiso. Okay, 
keep this in your mind. The story goes that Kyuho was Sekiso's attendant. He was his inji. And then Sekiso died. The expectation among the monks was that the head monk would become the successor, the next abbot. So everyone was gathered in the zendo, sitting just as you are now. Kyuho said, our late teacher told us, be completely finished, used up, emptied, traceless. Become barren autumn ground. Have one thought in 10,000 years. Be like a cold, dead tree, like an ancient incense burner at a deserted shrine, like a frozen lake, like a blank strip of white silk. And then Kyuho said to the assembly, what did he mean? The head monk answered, the realm of one color, a way of implying great enlightenment. Nothing can be said. Kyuho said, you do not understand our teacher's meaning. The head monk ordered someone to bring a packet of incense. You have to see this scene. Seki So's dead. <coughs> Inji, head monk, okay? Inji's saying to the head monk, you don't understand, you don't get it. So the head monk says, bring a packet of incense. And then he said, if I cannot pass away while this incense is burning, your words will be proven true. He threw the incense onto the charcoal in the burner. A cloud of white smoke arose. While still in the air, the head monk died, sitting up straight in Zazen. kind of Chinese roulette. <laughs> Kyuho, stroking the dead monk's back, said, you passed away in Zazen all right, but you didn't understand our late teacher's meaning even in your dreams. And Kyuho was invited by the other monks to become the successor of Sekiso, an abbot. So that was quite a turnaround. Years later, <clears throat> this Kasan, Kyuho's disciple, told his monks, 
Engaging in study is called hearing. Completing study is called nearness. Going beyond these two is called true passing. This is a quote from a text called Jewel Storehouse Treatise by Joel Hoshi. So engaging in study is called hearing. This is quite comprehensible, right? You hear the words of another, you read, you understand, intellectually at least, what you're reading. You're doing research, finding out when did these guys live, what was it like in the turbulent time of the end of the Tang Dynasty. You're reading all the sutras and commentaries, doing wonderful study. It's all very important. Some of you think, all I have to do is sit. That's true. After you engage in study. Engaging in study can be truly a wonderful thing when you've been sitting, right? You begin sitting and then you think, maybe I was wrong to dismiss all those words from all those great masters. Maybe I should check it out. And somehow, because you've been sitting, it's completely different from when you first read, right? Such an amazing thing. Suddenly, you can say, Ah, oh, I hear it now, right? I really hear it. We read the Diamond Sutra every session here. And how many of you are hearing, right? Really hearing it. Some word, some phrase suddenly penetrates your heart. And you can truly say, I am engaging in study and I am hearing. But even so, this hearing is knowledge or taking up something given by someone else. Seppo's brother Monganto said, that which comes from outside the gate is not the family treasure. Very famous statement. What comes from outside the gate? In other words, if you have not realized it for yourself, if it is something you have heard, even though it may have deep resonance, it's still not the family treasure. What's the family treasure? The treasure within, right? Your own awakened mind. Some of you may know the story of Ganto and Seppo when they were on their way to visit Master Kinzan Bunsui. And if you may remember, they were overtaken by a blizzard. It was very bad weather. So they had to stop and stay overnight somewhere in uh, some little inn at Gozan. And they ended up 
staying there for a few days because the way was impassable. And during that time, Seppo did nothing but sit day and night. Sazen! Great dedication. So admirable. Yes? Ganto, however, did nothing but sleep. Just stretched out all day, all night. There is a saying, when I stretch out my legs to sleep, there is neither falsehood nor truth. And seeing Seppo sitting there, Ganto said, you look just like that Buddha statue outside the town. What are you doing? Seppo said, I cannot find peace in my heart. I'm so weighed down by everything. There's just nothing I can do but sit. Ganto said, so? Tell me, what are your experiences up to now? And what's your understanding up to now? And maybe I can help you out. And Seppo began to relate how he had this particular flash of insight, having read a sutra, heard a phrase, oh, I really heard that or maybe attending somebody's teisho at a temple he was visiting and being struck by certain words. Oh, wow. And then Ganto said, haven't you ever heard that anything that comes from outside the gate is not the family treasure? So this is where this quote is from, this story. You must bring each individual experience forth from your own heart and totally cover heaven and earth. What you've collected up to now is nothing but dregs. Upon hearing these words, Seppo came great enlightenment, prostrated before Ganto and cried out, today Gozan has realized the way. Remember they were staying in Gozan. In other words, I and all beings together on this sacred mountain. Where is there not a sacred mountain at that moment? Realizing the great way. So here we are practicing as Seppo did. It's not snowing, but we are sitting, 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 and some of us are like Ganto, sleeping, 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 especially after last night, sitting, 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 so alternating very nicely between Ganto and Seppo. Wonderful. Could not be more wonderful.
and going to session after session with this feeling of perhaps wanting desperately, I hope so, desperately to find what uh, Seppo said, this inner deep peace. You may remember Ekka standing in the snow, another snow story, wanting so badly to be allowed in to Bodhidharma. And Bodhidharma is saying, go away, go away, go away. You can't do this. This is way too hard for you. You don't want to do this. No, go away. And finally, Eka kept saying, please, please, my mind is not at rest. Please pacify my mind. My mind is so filled with doubt, uncertainty, accumulated red dust. Please pacify my mind. And what did Bodhidharma say? Bring me your mind and I will pacify it for you. And what did Eka say? I have searched everywhere and I cannot find my mind. Where is my mind? Who am I? Someone just told me a wonderful story. Her mother has Alzheimer's and on a recent visit her mother was saying I don't know who I am tell me who I am and the daughter finally said in some exasperation well you're my mother and the mother said I'm just a figment of my imagination. Wonderful? With Eka Bodhidharma said, there, I have pacified your mind. Where is your mind? I cannot find. There, pacified. Who am I? Just a figment of my imagination. Well, searching through all the layers of accumulation, the irony is that it's by sitting after sitting, searching after searching, asking after asking, by doing this, we can finally realize that there's nothing to search for, nothing to sit for. People get so caught up in the use orientation. Even a taste of samadhi. Now I better use that samadhi and figure out what it is in my life that I have to understand. Or maybe I should take some notes later on and 
you know, now I finally get the direction that I should be going in my research or whatever it is. Let me use this. What happens when you do that? Hmm? Hmm? You scare it away. <laughs> or you put something in the place of it. You, you reify yourself again. You reify everything that was for a moment seem to be merely a figment of your imagination. And so you get, again, burdened down, weighed down. So we have to understand if Seppo had not done all that troubled sitting, had not been able to face how troubled his mind was through sitting. That's what happens first, right? You sit, okay, I'm going to have a wonderful period of zazen, nice samadhi, and then things start revealing themselves. I don't want to go there. That's not of any use to me at all. I need to use something good. This is not good. Preferential mind, right? I don't want to have to encounter such and such. This is very inconvenient. I'm not feeling at all calm and lucid. In fact, quite the opposite. I see all kinds of ways in which my neediness, my grasping identity that I have constructed has caused so much trouble for others, not to speak of myself. This is very inconvenient, right? But it's necessary, necessary. When we speak about great effort, great determination, of course, great doubt. We have to doubt everything. We have to be determined to go through this process. And then comes great faith, great trust. If Seppo had not done all that sitting, then when Ganto said what he did, very likely the words would not have penetrated. They would have been like any other words. Just not quite there. And he would not have had that great awakening. So what we are doing here is, as I have said many times, cultivating the field. We're digging, weeding, engaging with whatever is coming up seeing the treasures, seeing the teachings, seeing what needs to be once and for all yanked out by the root, which is probably everything. And it takes a prodigious effort to realize that this is effortless. 
Harada Roshi has a wonderful passage in this, The Path to Bodhidharma, about how to do this. And I have said many times, there is only one thing, one thing required of you. Vow. A vow. A vow to awaken for all beings. A vow. Great vow. That's Dagon's name. When we have made a vow that burns intensely within us, when we feel more deeply than anything else that we must train and work for all beings, then no matter what occurs, it will not obstruct us. No matter what occurs, it. What is your it right now? What is it that you have identified as an obstruction right now? Ankle pain. Huh? Ankle pain. Ankle pain. Anyone else? Heat. Heat. What else? Sleepiness. Sleepiness. What else? Back and neck. Hmm? Back and neck. Back and neck pain. What else? These are all so wonderful. You're so lucky. You are. You're so lucky. These idle inconveniences, minor passing inconveniences. Hmm? Truly. Think about it. Wait a minute. So lucky to have merely an ankle pain. Soon we will have obon commemoration at Daibusatsu for all the hungry ghosts whose necks are so narrow that they can't swallow any sustenance who are hanging upside down. You may see your it as hungry ghost condition. I hope everyone will come, come and work. It's a wonderful, wonderful, so deeply meaningful gathering and working together to bring it about. If we've become self-absorbed, if we've given ourselves over to concerns about our own passing afflictions, it's a wonderful corrective. So do join us. But I was reading from Harada Roshi and I wandered off. Let's see. It will not obstruct us, right? This is where 
it took me off. Your it's. <laughs> you know, you can experience... Oh, she's going on again. I will get back. You can experience anything as an impediment, if you wish. Oh, I can't go to Obon because... Blah, 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 blah. Or, well, other people can sit up doing Zuiza, but I can't because... Blah, 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 blah. Or, I don't know if I'm going to be able to continue session because I'm really... Every single person has their own... We could call it bullshit, but I don't mean to demean the anguish that you're in. But when, I'm going back to Harada Roshi now, when our vow wavers and weakens, small matter will become a great obstruction. You see, it's up to us. And basically, we prefer our small matters. They're so interesting. They're about me. My small matter is very big. Great obstruction, right? So fantastic, my obstruction. Nobody has ever had such an obstruction. (laughs) Don't I deserve a lot of credit for being here in spite of my great obstruction? Wow, admiration all around. Then he says, for this reason, above everything else, first and foremost, people of the way must raise a determined vow. We vow that no matter what happens, we will work until we realize the truth of our original nature and illuminate all with it. Illuminate all with it. When we realize the truth of our original nature, then we don't have a choice. It is illuminating all. This is the real meaning of Atadipa. Wake up and your light illumines the whole cosmos. Cannot be otherwise. No matter whether you're asleep like Ganto or sitting in Zazen or complaining. Complain with great illumination. (laughs) Wonderful? No preference. Ah, Rinzai, of course, said, just don't strive. Wonderful words. Just don't strive. By that he did not mean be lazy. Buji does not mean be lazy. It means you are not doing it. You are not getting something, engaging in study. It's fine, but don't think it's something to be acquired and carried around on your back, like Toksan with his Diamond Sutra commentaries. All we have to do is just breathe. 
with full attention on the exhalation. Just extend your exhalation, not by forcing it, but by tasting it fully, completely, all the way to the end. I was saying to a few of you that I was trying something that Harada Roshi suggested in his work with Hakuin Zenji's instructions on breathing, which is to lengthen your exhalation by counting during the exhalation from 1 to 10 or 1 to 12. Try it. It's very nice. We can all breathe out together and make your breath as long as 12 seconds or 10 seconds or 8 seconds if you think that may be all. And then let your hara fill with breath naturally. Let's do it together. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, and then maybe a little more. And then the inhalation is so deeply relaxing. The hara is just so unimpeded. Fills up. We don't need to grasp at it. We don't need to hold it. Just that breath all by itself turns into an exhalation again. Long exhalation. So you can try this. Instead of counting each breath, each exhalation from 1 to 10, count from 1 to 10 on one breath. Long, relaxed. These helpful things that we kind of tend to overlook because we're so caught up in uh, what we think we need to do to awaken. If we could just get something, something helpful, like this monk. What is true passing? Tell me, what is true passing? How do I get past my dualism? But really practicing this way with the breath is practicing with effortlessness. There's no striving, no gaining, no grasping, no clinging. And eventually we get to the point of nearness. Something is really tasted. All by itself this comes. And still we may feel not completely intimate with this. Not quite. That something is not quite our family treasure. Still nearness, completing study, is called nearness. Going into deep stillness, into samadhi. Just this breath. Yet not breaking through. So completing study is, we might say, a mark. 
maybe a mark on the scale, but still a mark. Tomorrow, we'll have completion ceremony for Jikyo. We might say completion ceremony for us all. Ten years, one session, 20 years, yet still a mark. In the case uh, 46, proceed on from the top of the pole in the Mumonkan. Mumon has a verse obscuring the third eye of insight. You cling to the first mark on the scale. Even though you may sacrifice your life, you are only a blind person leading the blind. Which is to say, don't stop there. Don't say, okay, I've emerged in study, engaged in study, and I have gone past hearing, and now I'm, I've completed study, and I'm feeling this nearness. Don't hang out there. Kassan says, we must proceed on. We must go beyond. It's as if there's a pane of glass between us and the real thing. And even though it's completely transparent, still something there. We glimpse, we feel this nearness. There's a sense of almost tasting the food that we see displayed in the restaurant window, storefront window. We may be salivating, but we're still hungry. So some of you have experienced this nearness. Hakuin Ekaku Zenji comments on this engaging in study and completing study. He says, there is birth and death, so one seeks nirvana. We all feel this samsaric realm we're in. This and that, the world of dualism, so we seek, we search. We strive, we study, we read. We converse, we sit with great determination through the day, through the night. And perhaps hearing occurs. Hearing about it, the story, hearing the story. This story, another story, maybe inspiring, right? Yep, Ganto and Seppo's story may be inspiring, but it's still hearing a story. It's not our own family treasure. So what do we do about it? Sit some more. Persevere. Keep going. 
Hakuin continues, completing study is nearness, even realizing that birth and death itself is nirvana. Actually hearing the sound of one hand clapping and finishing the work of Zen study, having penetrated the true nature of reality as it is, having realized that there is nothing to say, it is called completing study. Because the stage of completing study is near enlightenment, it is called nearness. What he describes sounds pretty good, huh? And it's just called nearness? Wait a minute. As I said, wait a minute. Oh, we may not get to yoga today. Tenzo's leap now. <laughs> okay, okay. I will try. I will try to stay on track. Ah, yes. We haven't even gone past the third line of this, and there's no way to pick it up again tomorrow. Well, Kasan says we can go beyond these two true passing and the monk asks what is true passing of course the monk very much wants to know Kasan doesn't quote anything he just says beating the drum This is the working, the functioning, the free and unbridled functioning of his Zen key, his Zen spirit. Take away the wheels, take away the axle. What then? Beating the drum. As some of you know, I do drumming practice, African drum. And when we're learning a new piece, it becomes very self-conscious. You are trying to hear what this rhythm is and that rhythm and putting them together and then turning into a new one and you're practicing and you're learning and it's very, it's, you're hearing, but you're still cultivating, studying. You're still trying to figure it out in your mind. This intellectual mind gets in the way, thinking, what is the pattern? Where do I come in? How many times is that repeated before that rhythm comes? How am I going to figure out whether this is going into a different rhythm at this point or, you remember? And so you're engaging in study and then the more you play it, over and over and over and over and there's this group of people doing this together the more it becomes so natural just coming through ah, a body experience not a mind experience and that's why i keep telling you breath 
This is a body experience. We think everything has to be a mind experience. If I could just figure it out, right? What is true passing? Tell me what true passing is and then I'll know and I'll be all fine. No more conceptualizing. <coughs> just give me a good concept. It's always getting in the way. So when we really master the pattern, master the rhythm, have this correspondence of everything flowing all by itself. It's doing it. Mu is doing Mu. That's going beyond the duality. True passing. No one is drumming. Just But this poor monk doesn't get it. So he's pursuing this line of questioning. Okay, if you won't tell me how to go beyond, then maybe you can tell me what is the essential truth of Buddhism? <laughs> how could it be more directly expressed, this essential truth of Buddhism? Beating the drum. Right? That's it. But the monk is not satisfied somehow some little thing is not happening for him okay then he says i won't ask about this very mind is buddha in other words maybe he's familiar with the saying all sentient beings are primarily buddha and basso's wonderful case 30 of the mumonkan what is Buddha? This very mind is Buddha. This mind that you are bringing in your question is Buddha. But the monk says, okay, I won't ask about that. I get it. All sentient beings are primarily Buddha. <laughs> but I will ask about what Basso said later, case 33 of the Mumon Khan. Not mind. Not Buddha. What about that? Is that going beyond? What does Kassan say? Beating the drum. Beating the drum. Again, he doesn't get it. Okay. Maybe a different question. We'll get this old guy to stop repeating himself. <laughs> repeating himself. Some of you know Gute. Gute, whenever asked about Zen, what did he do? Held up a finger. No matter what. What is true passing? What is the true teaching of the Buddha? What is not mine, not Buddha? So this is so-called repetition, all right? There is absolutely no such thing as Son Roshi told Edo Roshi about what the definition of beauty is. Beauty is that which is unrepeatable. Beating the drum. Only this one beating the drum. Again and again, beating the drum. So, however, the monk 
has to ask another question. He says, when enlightened persons come, how do you deal with them? Surely now Master Kassan will give some response that will enlighten the monk. Something that will be of benefit. And he does give something of great benefit. Beating the drum. So what can we say about this? Well, we might say the monk's karma was not right. right? The readiness of time. Kensho occurs. Some truly decisive and instantaneous breakthrough. Two fundamental truths to everything that the monk was asking about. But it's not about. That's the problem. There is no about. It's just right here. The sound of the cicadas. And we can truly hear this beyond hearing, beyond nearness, beyond any such dualistic formulation. And at last, And this happens in spite of ourselves. It's very helpful to remember this. It's not something you can reach for. It happens when you're not looking for it. When you're looking at the space between. We get tired of all our grasping after I, me, mine. And somehow, one day, just plodding along in the mud at this summer temple, one day, that pane of glass shatters. There's a wonderful enlightenment poem by the nun Chiono. In this way and that, I tried to save the old pail. Since the bamboo strip was weakening and about to break. Until at last, the bottom fell out. No more water in the pail. No more moon in the water. Full moon of enlightenment. Gone along with it all. Not a trace remains. As we heard at the very beginning, what Sekiso told his monks. So here we have 
ending with Secho's verse. Hauling rocks, carrying earth. How many of you were hauling rocks and carrying earth? So you know. Kisu Chijo, a Dharma successor of Baso, of whom we heard earlier, one day, one of his monks was going out, and Kisu said, where are you going? And the monk said, I'm going to haul some rocks. Kisu said, okay, but don't move the tree in the center. What is this tree in the center? This immovable tree in the center. Another way of saying, beating the drum. Carrying earth. This is a reference as well to Mokuhe Zendo Zenji. Whenever a newcomer arrived, Mokuhe would have him carry three loads of dirt. So I don't know what your instructions were from Myorin about moving the dirt. Maybe not three loads, but anyway, Mokuhui wrote a verse. East mountain road is narrow. West mountain is low. Newcomers must not refuse three loads of dirt. What's this mean? Just... This is how enlightenment occurs. Hauling rocks, carrying earth, beating the drum. So you may think, oh, they just want me to do this extra work after lunch. (laughs) No, we want you to be completely and fully enlightened. Because you are. As you haul, as you carry, could not be otherwise. To shoot the bolt, you need a 10-ton crossbow. That's quite a heavy bow. To shoot the bolt, as imagine this lightning bolt that you're shooting. What are you shooting at? Huh? Lions and tigers. So this is the reference to the teacher teaching you, right? All of you, amazing. Just shooting the bolt. All of you lions and tigers, I must kill you all. Yes. And then it continues another Zen activity, Seppo, back to Seppo. Can't seem to get away from him. Once rolled three wooden balls. Actually, he rolled them frequently. Whenever anyone would come, he would roll these three wooden balls. But one day, someone named Gensha came. So he would roll these balls and then watch, watch, watch. Gensha came and pretended to run away when he rolled the balls. So Seppo said, wow, great. But all of these, how can they compare, he says, Secho, to Kasan's beat the drum? As far as Zen 
functioning goals. Even these cannot compare. And then Sacho says, I will tell you. Don't stand there in a daze. Don't sit there in a daze. Don't sit there thinking, what? I don't get it. What is it? Please explain. What's sweet is sweet. What's bitter is bitter. If it has sugar, mmm. Has vinegar. <laughs> Only you, your taste, your one taste, true fact of your realization. This is it. So, 